Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Oh, that was great. That was great. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. Again, I want to, to again, reiterate, be here next week to hear Miss Karen. And um, I tell her all the time, you know, second to Casey, she's my favorite preacher in the entire world. And um, she spent 30 years uh, singing just as a singer traveling the world as a gospel artist. And um, then opened up the ramp and began preaching and speaking. And, you know, I mean, I thought she was a good singer. She's, she's, she is it as a speaker. So trust me when I say you do not want to miss it. And I'm going to be here early on the front row with bells on, out of my mind. And also, again, to remind you, next week, it's such an exciting uh, season that we're in with our new building. We are so excited about it. Our incredible team spent hours there this week cleaning and preparing, and it is just spectacular. And we are, we are just really anxious to get in there, really excited to see what God is going to do in there, and happy to finally not be in a setup teardown situation. Thank you, Jesus. If you have ever set up or tear down, tore down, you know that is wonderful. So it is going to be really, really incredible. So please remember next week is our building offering. And we, we know God is going to provide everything that we need. And my husband and I are, are giving to it ourselves. And we know that it is an opportunity to give to the vision of this place and to give into what we believe God is going to do. So we are just absolutely stoked about it. Okay, let's get into the word. I'm not going to keep you here too terribly long. Um, I have to be nice every time. Every time I get up to speak, Pastor Casey says, honey, be nice every time. So I promise I will be nice. I promise. So today I want you to open with me to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 1, and I am using the Passion Translation, not KJV. Passion Translation. Amen. Amen. Whoever said the yes. All right, so it starts, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be His living his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total transformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So today I want to talk to you about, actually I went, I went back and forth on, on what to speak on several times and had out all my notes laid out and I kept coming back to this, to this concept and I called it destroying the default, destroying the default. And I want to talk to you today about whenever you have made a change, having to walk out that change, whenever you have had a true 180 or a complete turnaround in your life, be it whatever it is, walking that out every day. Because we all know it is not just a one-time decision. Anytime we make a hard shift, it is not a one-time 
thought that comes through your mind. You don't just, just do it one time and you're done. It is something that we walk out every day. So in the, in the, in the practical sense, and this is just, just a connection point, it's just fascinating to me. Casey and I have a great friend of ours in Alabama. He's a doctor, incredible man, brilliant man. And Casey and I talk to him a lot of times just about how the mind works and um, how our thought pattern works in psychology. And there's actually a part of your brain, it's called the amygdala, and it's what they call the lizard brain, and it is the oldest part of the brain in the human body. It is the part of the brain that is the flight or fight. It is, it is whenever you get tired or whenever you're asleep, it's whenever you get put to sleep, that part of the brain stays awake. It never shuts down. Your prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of your brain, is the youngest part. It is what is responsible for your judgment, your morals, uh, all your decision-making. It is what Asher has not developed yet. <laughs> if you have a child that is under five, you know what the lizard brain is, and you see it every day. <laughs> the, front, the, frontal, the, the prefrontal cortex is what, your, is what all of your learning is. It's where you learn to make decisions. And if you've ever had a flight or fight reaction, for example, um, all, the, all the women in here will totally understand this. I made the horrific decision one time in my life, horrible decision, don't know what I was thinking. Apparently while I was awake, the front part of my brain shut off and I just thought stupid. And I decided to have our second child naturally. <laughs> you just don't do it. If you're in here and you're expecting, don't do it. Don't do it. I beg you, don't. And so I'm thinking, you know, oh, I've read all the books on the whole, like, supernatural childbirth, and it won't hurt, and just Jesus comes in because we're free from the curse, and he just takes away all the pain, and this will be wonderful, and you just, you know, the low hums to get through it, you know? And then, you know, all of that thinking is in that, that prefrontal cortex of I'm going to train myself to deal with pain and I will, I will just get through it. And it worked for about the first five hours, six hours. And after that, you get tired, you progress on, you get to about six centimeters and that shuts off like that. <laughs> and it goes from hmm, to roaring T-Rex dying sound noise. Casey actually said, I sounded like an animal in an exorcism. <laughs> so, I mean, like clawing at the walls, screaming your head off, losing your mind. Anyone who tells you this, the supernatural childbirth is a real thing, they are lying to you. They, that is a lie. It hurts bad. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> And so it was interesting, though, to find out how that whole part of your brain shuts off. And now instantly, I am an animal. Get this out of my body or I'm going to kill somebody. And that, that part of your brain just takes over. It's also whenever they say whenever you are put to sleep and you come out of being put to sleep, you react according to just your most basic, primitive upbringing. So people who get put to sleep and they wake up fighting, they are internalizing the pain of their most natural state of mind. Other people, whenever they get put to sleep and they wake up and they wake up happy and loopy, like Asher or Annalise and Katie, you know, they wake up like, hey, I love all of you, hey. You know, and that, that is their most natural instinct. And it was actually, Annalise about a month ago stepped on a nail. Nail went all the way through her foot 
into her heel bone, about half an inch of the nail into her heel bone, like nailed her foot in place so she actually couldn't move it. And so we, we go to the hospital in Alabama, they drug her and give her some pain meds. So you know, she goes from praying and speaking in tongues, you know, God help me, because she was in so much pain, to she just stops and she looks at me and she grabs my face and she goes, ah, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> and I was like, I'm glad I'm here too, sweetie. <laughs> and she was just as happy as she could be because that front part of her brain that said, you are in searing pain, shut off. And all she thinks is, Mom, hey. And that, that part of her brain comes alive. That part of your brain is your physical body's default setting. That is, it just takes you back to just square one, just your most basic knowledge. That is your default setting. Likewise, we have a spiritual default setting. We have, whenever, you know, we, we go through life, we go through trials, we decide to follow the Lord you know, we decide to make a change in our lives, we still have that default setting. It is how we react when we're angry. It's how we react whenever trouble comes, whenever the finances just go, whenever marriage trouble comes, whenever situations with your child comes. Anything that we face, we have that natural default setting. You know, it's hard to explain what it is like whenever you have gone through a complete shift in your mind and in your life. You can't really exp explain it. You have to experience it. And it's almost like, um, it's almost like, you know, like if you've never tried a strawberry and trying to explain to someone if they've never tried it, what it tastes like, or like what French cheese tastes like in France. And you just can't explain the goodness and then the nuttiness of this glorious texture that has exploded over your taste buds, you have to just experience it. You know, and it is the same way with just change in your life. You cannot find the right words to explain it. You can't look at somebody who is going through something and you want to say to them, listen, I, I know exactly how you can turn this whole thing around. There's no words, it's just experienced. And there's really no way of me even sitting here and preaching it to you and describing it to you without giving you just, you know, my own experience with it. Most of you, obviously, you know Casey and my story. You know our story of our marriage. You know our story of the restoration and, you know, ev everything that encompassed that. However, the second part of that story is what's happening now. It's what's happening today. It's what happened yesterday. It's what happened the day before. It's what happened after the coming home process of what it was like to have to walk out a changed person. And what I realized was a change, yeah, it starts in the heart in the sense of God moves on your heart, but really for us, change begins in the mind. It doesn't begin in the heart for us. The heart for us is just the conviction, the pulling of the Holy Spirit, of him leading us to change. But once we go up to the altar, throwing oil and you know, spinning around three times, you're gonna spin out, you know, spin out of my problem. You know, that's not it. That's a great starting point, but that's not it. You can fall out all you want. You can speak in tongues all you want. There is a process of walking out change 
and walking out a renewed mind. And it is a decision that you have to make every single day. It is a small, small, small step from thought to belief. It's something that you think becomes a belief system in your own life. It is now a small step from belief to your words. And you will speak what you core, what your core believes to be true. It is another small step from your words to your actions and your lifestyle. So really, if you think about it, thoughts lead to action. Thoughts don't lead to beliefs. Beliefs not to words. No, thoughts lead to your actions. What you think, what you allow into your mind, what you think about your marriage, what you think about your money, what you think about your children, what you think about your job, your boss, any situation that leads to the lifestyle which you live with. Whatever you choose to be your belief system becomes the reality in which you live. Think about that. What I'll allow into my mind becomes the reality which I live in. And every day I have to guard now what goes into my mind. Because my default setting tells me, Lindsay, you're tired today. It's okay to just spout off on the kids and just go off on Casey. It's fine. It's a default setting. No, but I've made a decision to not live in that default setting. Whenever you're in traffic and it's 5 o'clock and you're on I-40 West and people cut in front of you and you have a default setting that lays on the horn. And, and you want to say words that you shouldn't say that you'll have to repent for later, that is your default setting. Whenever your spouse does something that makes you angry, and it is just habit. And how many, how many of us have so many times heard, you know, well, there's just an attack on my home. You know, the enemy has come in and attacked my children and my family and my marriage, and you know, the, the, devil, the devil is just on me. He's just on me. Is it really the devil? Did the devil really get your tongue and make you say it? Really? Did the devil really, really force your hand at whatever decision it was? Really? Did the devil really make me, did he really force me to make that horrible financial decision? Did he really do that? Or was it me? Most likely, it was me. And yes, where the enemy can influence these thoughts and influence, influence the, the mindsets, most of the time, it is me. It is just a bad decision that I've made. And so many times, it's, it's easy for us to not change because we refuse to take ownership for that decision. And you can't change what you don't own up to. The thinking cannot change unless ownership is there first. I cannot change the way I think about my family, my children, our church, our lives, my spouse, without first taking ownership for the bad thoughts that I've had and not blaming the enemy for them, taking ownership for it. Whenever you take ownership for it, now you have the power to change it. Because apparently if it's the devil's fault, can we really change it? Because he'll just keep doing it. No, if it's ours, now we have been given the key to make a change there. So uh, many times with this, it's easy for us to say, 
Okay. I will make a decision to be different. And that's fine. I can do that. I can make a decision to think differently. I can make a decision to believe differently and speak differently and live differently. But I'm unwilling to give up these certain things in my life. You know, I just, I really don't want to give up this, this TV show. I really, I really don't want to give up these relationships. And I'm not talking about just relationships that step outside of your marriage. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about even just friendships within our work, friendships that we make with our children's parents at school, the friends that we surround ourselves with, the people that we, that we take meals with, the people that we commune with. Are those people influencing that default setting? Are, are they influencing the person that you have decided to be? And it's easy to say, well, I don't really don't want to have to give this up because, you know, I just, I don't have the grace to do it, you know, and the Lord hasn't, he's just really not released me <coughs> to give that up. I don't have the peace to give that up. And one, th- one of the things that I found in my life is grace doesn't come first. Obedience comes first. Grace comes second. And I will never forget the day that I made the decision to come back and, and to change my life. And it was the hardest decision I'd ever made. And I was sitting there weighing out the options and weighing out what this was going to be for me and for my family and how hard it was going to be to make a radical shift in my life. And it wasn't until I said, God, my answer is yes. To whatever this looks like, my answer is yes. Then grace came. Then the peace came. Then the, the knowing and the ease and the wisdom and the knowing of the will of God came like that because obedience came first. And it's the obedience to do and to cut out whatever he's telling us to cut out. It might be a financial decision. It might be just a friend at work. It could be another relationship outside of the marriage. But whatever it is, are we really willing to say, I don't care how hard this is, and I don't care what this cost me, and I don't care who gets their feelings hurt. Me protecting this new person is so much more important than all of this other stuff. I don't care how much I like that. It's irrelevant. In the span of me having to protect what is really important in my life. So I heard this one time. In, in a sermon and in another sermon. And it just gripped me. And, it, and I think for me, it might be one of those like moments, you know, where something is like revelation to you, but then you try to explain it to someone else and they're like, that's great. <laughs> Sounds awesome. You know, it was one of those to me. I remember going to Casey whenever I told him this and I was like, how do you listen to this? You know, and I tell him and he's like, wow, that's cool, babe. You know, and for me, I'm like losing my mind, running around the house, you know, like, this is Rhema to me. You know, it, it might be one of those. But this, this gripped me whenever I heard it. This gripped me so deeply. We have all heard the story of Jacob and his 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, so on and so forth. We all, we all know the story. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Jacob, you know, works for the man, marries Leah, marries Rachel. Now, in the story, however, whenever you get down to Genesis 35, you don't have to go there. I'll just read it to you. This is what got me. It says in Genesis 35, so Rachel died and was buried 
on the way to Ephrath, I don't know how to pronounce this. I don't speak Greek like Casey does. It, that place. Over her tomb, Jacob set a pillar that marks Rachel's tomb. Now get this. It says, and Israel moved on again. And it goes on, Israel moved on and pitched his tent in, in another city. I can't pronounce it. But think, think about this concept, okay? Just, just think about this with me. This so perfectly encaptures the concept of, of changing and, and moving on into your new man and changing the mindset. So it says, and Jacob buried Rachel, but Israel moved on. Do we get it? Think, think about this. It's really only important because back in chapter 32, whenever Jacob is wrestling with God and Jacob says to him, bless me, and it goes on. And finally, God speaks to him and says, your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is Israel. Because Israel means he contended, he fought, and he won. That is what the name Israel means. He who wrestled God and won. So Jacob had to bury who he was and everything that represented Jacob. His wife dies. Jacob buries Rachel. But Israel moves on. He had to bury all of this first before he could step into Israel. All of this has to die. Jacob has to die so Israel can move forward into who he's called to be. And so, let me get back to my notes here, guys. Sorry. All right, here we go. So Jacob, whenever he buries Rachel, here's what that means. He sets over her, over her a tomb. Over this tomb, it marks who she was. This means whenever I bury something in my life, whenever I've made the decision to change something in my life, whenever I decide to change my mind and change what I am thinking and change the way I am believing, I have to, on this tomb, write down so I never forget what it is that I'm trying to bury. I, I saw one time on a show where this, this girl on this show, she had made these horrible mistakes and was trying to come out of them, trying to change. And she just, her past just kept chasing her, kept coming up. And she was speaking to someone about it, saying, I don't, I don't, everything I do, this still comes up to me. Why? Why is this still coming up? There's, I cannot do enough to make this go away. And the man says to her, well, make amends with your old person because it is exactly that person who reminds you of how far you've come and what all you have to lose. And that caught me so deep of we have to write on this tomb everything that God is telling us to give up, to change our minds, to change the way we think, so that we can always go back and remember, no, you told me to get rid of this, so I can't do that anymore. No, you told me to get rid of that relationship, so I can't go there anymore. No, I know it's hard, and I know it hurts, and I know like their phone number is right there, and I know that I'm really angry with my spouse today, and it would be so easy for me just to pick up the phone and call this person, but no, because that is something that you told me to give up, so I'm not going to go there anymore. And it's a decision that we have to make every day. And if you go back to Romans, here's what's really interesting with this. If you go back to Romans, it says, 
Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total transformation of how you think. And this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. So we can't discern the will of God until we have had that transformation of how we think. We cannot look at a situation even in our finances and say, you know, it's God's will for us to do this. How do we know? Have we changed our thoughts? Have we changed our habits? Have we changed our beliefs? And if the, if the concept of your thoughts lead to your actions, have we changed that? How do we know it's God's will for us to make a move? How do we know it's God's will for us to marry this person or that person? How do we know until we have made a decision to have a completely renewed and changed mind? Casey and I love we love the TV show, The Crown. Have any of you ever seen The Crown? Yeah, okay, one. I'm with you, we got it. We got, we, we know. <laughs> there's, there's a couple of episodes, you do have to just skip the entire episode, which is tragic, because the show's amazing, very clean. Just skip a couple of episodes in season two, guys. You don't wanna go there. Like literally skip the whole thing. But there's, in, in the second episode of the first season, Queen Elizabeth, and this is actually historically accurate. Queen Elizabeth, her father has just died. This is the queen that is on the throne today of England. Her father has just died. She's only 24 years old. And her father died very young. He was in his 50s. It was unexpected. They were expecting him to make a full recovery. He had been sick. And he dies in his sleep. Overnight, this girl goes from being Elizabeth to queen and everything in her life has to change. And in the show, whenever she is about to walk off the plane to attend her father's funeral, her grandmother writes her a letter. And in the letter, one of the things that she says to her is, the two Elizabeths will often be in conflict with one another, but the crown must win, must always win. So she is still Elizabeth, the young girl who is free, and she is also 100% Elizabeth that is queen. So I am Lindsay, who did all the horrible things that I did in the two years I was gone, who made all the horrible decisions, and I'm also 100% Lindsay, who is free and whole, but this Lindsay, the default setting Lindsay, is not gone. She is still a part of who I am. Whenever you become a new person, you don't just completely get rid of your old man. That old man still lives inside of you. Wow. That is your default setting. That is your spiritual lizard brain. That lizard brain part of you never goes away. The person that you were, the decisions that you could make, the bad choices that we could make, those are all still there. The girl who left her husband is still inside of me. But the girl who came home is inside of me too. And I have to make a decision every single day to live every single day as the new person that God has made me to be. It means I am not going to listen to that song because it reminds me of who I was. Actually, I had someone ask me recently, they actually asked you know, uh, why don't you still dance? You were such, why don't you dance anymore? You were such a good dancer. It's too close to that default setting. And even though for some people that might sound a little silly, like, 
well, dance. What does that mean? For all the years that I spent pursuing that, that became my God. And because it became my God, I would not get back, I would not get within a 10-foot pole of it. <laughs> it's too close to that default setting. Of Yes, there are people in our lives that we could say, okay, well, they were kind of involved with those really bad decisions and those were that really bad season. You know, I mean, we need to forgive and be like Christ and, and still love them and still be friends. Not necessarily. Forgive, absolutely. Renew the connection, no. Because that's too close to that default setting. And what's more important than anything is protecting this new person that God has created. Of I don't have to protect the old Lindsay anymore. I do have to protect the new one. That in that show, whenever, whenever Elizabeth becomes queen, she has to every day give up this old Elizabeth and the decisions that she would want to make. And now she has to make a decision of I am queen and what does queen have to do regardless of who this is going to tick off. I have to make the decision for the good of the crown. And now we have to make the same decisions for the good of this new man. And that means beginning with the way we think and forever shutting off every single day that default setting. Y'all can come on up. Shutting off every day that default setting in our minds that tells us it really wouldn't be that bad to just go out to the bar and hang out with that friend. It's really not that bad. Well, does it take you back to the default setting? It's really not that bad to react this way. I was angry. It was that lizard brain thing. It just happened. But does it take you closer to the default setting? Does it, does it just inch, inch you closer and closer and closer? Everybody stand with me. I want us, I want myself every day, every day at the end of the day, whenever I'm sitting there alone, to be able to look up and know I did everything I could today to make the godly decision, the wise decision, the decision, the decision that benefited my family. I want to know at the end of the day, the words I spoke over Pastor Casey were words of blessing and love and not anger, that I didn't say something to him that cursed him with my words even jokingly, even in jest. I want to know that the things I said over my children, even in jest, saying things like, oh, well, you know, well, this kid's just crazy. No, we're, we're cursing them with our words. And those words become the actions in which they live and what they do. I want to know that I did everything I could to walk every day in that new man. That I did everything I could to get away from that default setting. And I want us as a church to know we have done everything we can every day to be our, our best self, our new self, the self that God has called us to be. And I want us to know as a church that we have renewed our mind to the degree that we can so easily hear God and so easily discern His will corporately and individually that because we have renewed our thoughts, because we've renewed our minds, we can hear him. And we know this is what's God's will. This is what he's telling us to do. This is it. 
Everyone lift your hands with me. Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much, God. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your drawing of your Holy Spirit to change us, to mold us, to form us into exactly who and what you have called us to be. Thank you, Lord, for the strength that you have given us to give up what we have to give up and to change what you are calling us to change, God. Thank you, Lord, for your grace to walk out that change. Thank you, God, for, for everything you have given us and the strength and the power you have given us to say no to the enemy, to say no to the things that are hard, and to say yes to your will, and to say yes to your path, and to say yes to the change, and to say yes to the renewed mind. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.